I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is The Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Howdy. Happy Saturday, everybody. Happy weekend. Dan Grosser Show, we are back. We are live in living color right here. On 98.7 ESPN on this third day of June, 2023, 800-919-3776. is the telephone numbers. We take it right up until 12 noon. Anita Marks will slide in at that point. Harvey Cruz, Joe Leo, they're back. They're producing the program today. At Dan Gross is where you can check me out on Twitter as always. We have made it to the weekend. We have got here. And if you're a New York baseball fan, wasn't exactly... The best Friday night to send you off into the weekend. But the beauty of baseball, as they say, is what? There's a game every single day. So you got a chance to redeem yourself. And certainly both locals are going to be looking to do that a little bit later on today. And might as well start with the Mets, who took on the Blue Jays last night at City Field. And, you know, they say all good things come to those who wait, unless you're a Mets fan, because you had to wait about an hour and a half longer for that one to get underway due to the raindrops. But once they got underway, well, it only took a couple of pitches to pretty much determine the outcome of the game because George Springer greeted Justin Verlander. Second pitch of the game, his former mate, his former buddy with the Houston Astros, deep over the center field fence into the Queens night. And just like that, the Blue Jays were off and running one nothing, And it was an old friend... Wearing a Toronto Blue Jay uniform, who had the pitching assignment last night for the Met, or for the Blue Jays. Uh, you, you wish it was for the Mets. But Chris Bassett made his triumphant return and gave the Mets very little, practically nothing. And this isn't a victory lap for yours truly, who basically spent the last how many days leading into last night saying, you know what, Chris Bassett's a guy that the Mets probably should have made more of a concerted effort. Or how about this, any effort to retain last offseason. Instead, they basically let him walk out the door for $63 million to the Toronto Blue Jays, which is nothing for the New York Mets, and Bassett has been really good for the Blue Jays. And it's not just specifically what he did last night to the Mets because, I I, I mean, let's tell it like it is. You know, if, if you break down a baseball game, Justin Verlander was good last night. I mean, nine times out of ten, the type of an outing he got from Justin Verlander is going to be good enough to get you a victory. This has nothing to do with him. He, he was fine. He made one mistake and ended up costing him the game because the other guy was just a little bit better. But remember something. guy like Verlander, he's going out there and pitching against a Blue Jays lineup, which is a lot more difficult to navigate as opposed to the Met lineup. So Bassett went out there, and he took on a Mets 1-9, through nine, which to me is way too prone to inconsistencies. And they go through their lulls where they're not exactly tearing the cover off the ball. And let's face it, that series against the Philadelphia Phillies that the Mets ended up sweeping, and, you know, you felt all good about everything, and, you know, they won three games in a row and blah, blah, blah. It's not like the Mets were tearing the cover off the ball in those three games either. You know, they scored 10 runs in three games. It was just that their pitching was that much better. They caught the Phillies at a little bit of a lull. You know, you only allow two earned runs or whatever it is during a three-game series. Chances are you're going to win. 
and it's not going to have to take that much of a contribution offensively to get in the win column. Last night, the bats went cold again. Bassett was on top of his game, and the Mets don't get the job done. But I'll tell you again, it's just, it's amazing to me how collectively, and you know what? We all played a hand in it because there's other things going on in the offseason, and, you know, certainly that's kind of when everything is going on with football, you know, and that's kind of preoccupying all the topic of conversation as far as, you know, the hot stove stuff is going on. And, you know, Aaron Judge was the big name certainly during the offseason. And, you know, when you were thinking about the Mets, it was, well, is Jacob DeGrom going to come back more than anything else? And then once DeGrom went to the Texas Rangers, the Mets pivoted to Justin Verlander. And then, like, when Bassett signed with the Blue Jays, it was just kind of like something that flew under the radar. But this was a guy who was extremely durable for them. He led them in innings pitched. He was a guy that, remember... While Scherzer was going through his things a little bit last year during the summer, remember, he missed some time due to injury. DeGrom, you know, missed the first four months of the season. Chris Bassett, by and large, was the Mets' most consistent pitcher for the better part of that season. Now I understand, you know, getting comments from people like, oh, you know, where was he in the biggest game of the year last year? You know, the playoffs against the Padres and in that series against the Atlanta Braves down in Atlanta that ultimately cost them the division, but... Um, where, where were the other two guys who won Cy Young Awards? They didn't exactly wow in those games either. So you can't sit there and point the finger at Bassett and say he was the only one that didn't get the job done. But, you know, Mets are going to have to deal with the decision. And the Blue Jays are benefiting from that because Bassett's been really, really good and consistent for them so far here this season. And, and Verlander, look... Remember, last time out on Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, whenever, no, it was last Saturday, out at Coors Field, you know, he had that ugly box score. But if you watch the game, it's not exactly like Colorado was tattooing him. You know, it was kind of a bunch of bleeders and ones that kind of just found some pay dirt. It wasn't like it was a lot of hard contact, but things just kind of snowballed for him, especially in that one inning. So it's going to balloon up the ERA a little bit, and he didn't get the job done that night at a crazy ballpark like Coors. I thought last night was a step in the right direction, again, bouncing back and not letting that bad start kind of snowball on him and then consistently having to go out there and make the adjustments and so on and so forth. It is a little strange, though. I mean, 117 pitches in six innings. He, he, he did have to kind of labor a little bit. But I thought that that was key, especially his final inning there in the sixth where things really could have got out of hand. When Toronto loaded the bases, he was able to pitch out of it and get out of there unscathed, which I thought was, again, another step in the right direction. The thing about Verlander, even though he's got the three Cy Youngs and he's the first ballot Hall of Famer, all these things, you got to take some perspective with him, you know, even at this stage of the season, because for him... He's a, he's a month behind everybody else, right? Having to miss that first month because of the injury. So while everybody else is, you know, in June, let's say, he's only beginning like what would be his second month of a baseball season. So hopefully he's going to start rounding into form over the next two, three starts to where you're seeing the guy that we all saw last year. Remember, when he and his Houston Astros team came into City Field last year, it was a matinee game during the week, and then Verlander just completely stuck it to the Mets. They couldn't even touch him. You hope you see that guy more often than not for the remainder of the season. But, you know, often we talk about this team and what has to happen if they are going to play meaningful games in the month of October and if they are going to go on a deep postseason run. The importance of the Verlander starts and the Scherzer starts just because everybody else in that rotation is not exactly Mr. Reliable, right? And so you drop last night's game with Verlander, even though he didn't pitch that bad. 
But the problem is, is that now you hand the ball to a guy like Tyler McGill, who I don't know how strong your confidence is in this guy anymore. And if you lose today's game, well, you just drop the series. And that's not what you want to have happen here. And they made the announcement last night, too. I don't know if you guys saw this. The Kodai Senga is going to start on Sunday. There was a little bit of a back and forth as to whether or not he was going to go or he was going to be pushed back to Atlanta uh, to begin the, the, the series on uh, Tuesday after the day off. Well, they want to keep him now on regular rest. And when I say keep him on regular rest, Senga's been pitching with five days rest really all season long. That's how they do it in Japan. So this will be the first time that he actually pitches on normal Major League Baseball four days rest in this start tomorrow. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's nice, right? You want him to get into the flow a little bit of how things are done here, but I, I, I kind of read more into it. And what I read into it is they want him to pitch tomorrow because it's at City Field. And he has been leaps and bounds better at City Field this year than he's been on the road. Probably the last thing that the Mets want to have happen is to give this guy even an extra day of rest to then where his next start's going to be against the Atlanta Braves down in Atlanta, which traditionally is a house of horrors for the Mets. And then what if Senga goes out there and gets his brains beat in and it's just going to be, you can imagine what we're going to be talking about. And who knows what that's going to do for his psyche and, and so on and so forth. All right, so I think that there's a little bit of psychology there a little bit. And that is a big series, don't get me wrong, but they got to get through this weekend first before you start thinking about the Atlanta Braves. And even though the Atlanta Braves, look, they're in first place, but the Braves go out there last night, they dropped their series opener in Arizona against the Diamondbacks team, which, you know, maybe we'll get to a little bit later on. Arizona, maybe the surprise team in all of Major League Baseball here this year, what they're doing. They're tied for the best record in the National League with the Dodgers. And so the D-backs do the Mets a solid last night, beating the Braves. So despite the fact that Mets lose... There's still only three and a half games out of first place, which is not the end of the world in any way, shape, or form. So not buried by a long shot. And even though the Mets haven't played their best baseball as we're into the month of June, they're still very much in striking distance. And remember, even a year ago, the Braves didn't even really get going until the month of June rolled around, where they reeled off 14 consecutive victories and then on and upward and... They end up with 101, same as the New York Mets. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. So do a little baseball conversation here. We come back. Well, I guess the only thing you can say about the Yankees is they did just solid if you were planning on staying up late last night because all you had to do was watch that first inning, and then you could turn in for the night thanks to Luis Severino. Grasso Show, till noon, heading into the weekend strong right here on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. 
Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. Hey, enter the ESPN New York no-hitter sweepstakes for your chance to win $25,000. Find the no-hitter tile on the ESPN New York app, pick a team, and submit your entry. Today's qualifier is Michael Gray from Brooklyn, who has chosen New York's National League team to throw a no-hitter today. Presented by MoheganSunCasino.com. For full contest rules, go to ESPNNewYork.com. So congratulations to Michael. Hopefully nobody picked uh, the Yankees, and in this case, Luis Severino last night, to throw a no-hitter because that one kind of went out the window very, very early in that one. And like I said, the only good thing if you're a Yankee fan is that maybe you got a good night's sleep after Severino goes out there and just completely throws a batting practice in the first inning there to the Los Angeles just Dodgers. Just a bit outside. Uh, forget about out. Yeah, outside. You know, it was outside. It, it was the uh, batted balls off the bats of the home team that ended up outside the ballpark with that exit velo. But, you know, six runs in the first inning, a couple of long balls. I- I'll tell you this. The only takeaway that you get from that one last night is that somehow, some way, Severino was able to gut through four innings. I mean, I know it doesn't seem like it's a hell of a lot, but the way that – I didn't even know if he was going to make it out of the first inning, the way things were unfolding. So if you would have told me in the first that he somehow gets through four, that's not the end of the world. To where Boone didn't have to completely deplete his pen and only had to use three other relievers, one of them Tommy Canley, which we'll get to in just a little bit there. And, you know, Yankees tried their best to kind of chip away, chip away, get back in the game. And really the offensive contributions all came from guys who made their return to the lineup, right? You got Donaldson who hit a couple of long balls last night. Stanton who ends up going yard. He just missed another one earlier in the game, too, where he just got under one. He hit the ball like 20 miles into the air, but it just didn't go out of the ballpark. And, and, and isn't it good, too, Donaldson? You know, when the Yanks are down 6 nothing. Donaldson gets a hold of one. He hits a solo home run in the second, and he still Cadillacs the home run. <laughs> that's, that's Donaldson, right? You know, it doesn't matter what the scoreboard says, and, and you're getting your head beat in. You know what? I'm still going to pimp one if I hit it out of the ballpark. But Kershaw was dialed in last night for the most part. He's had himself a really, really good season. Dodgers do what they do, and that's called hitting home runs. Look, Betts, you know, he's settling into a nice little groove here. He's gone deep. You know, in back-to-back games now, multiple times, Dodgers are good, right? I mean, the Dodgers are the Dodgers. There's no shame in losing a game to them. And what you got to do now is you got to bounce back. You give the ball to your race today. This is what you're paying them for. You know, you got the edge, at least on paper, in the pitching matchup when you're talking about, you know, Garrett Cole against the kid and Michael Grove, who hasn't pitched since April, by the way, since he's been on the injured list here. But... You look at the way the Dodgers were swinging the bats last night, and, and they're a good home run hitting team. That's one of the issues that's played Cole here over the last handful of starts is that he's having a hard time keeping the ball in the yard. Four out of the last five starts, he's given up two home runs, you know, and that's not a recipe for success, especially against that team in that ballpark. So not the end of the world, right? You lose to a good team. It happens. Now you got to respond today, and all's going to be right in Yankee land if Boone or excuse me, if, Sever- if uh, Cole is able to go out there and do what you're paying him to do, which is to, you know, be that stopper when you hit a little bit of adversity. But let's hear from the manager after last night's game. Here's Aaron Boone talking about the Luis Severino struggles. 
just some leaking into the heart of the plate and they didn't miss you know maybe not quite quite the life that he had in his last start but I still thought okay like I thought first pitch of the game looked from just from my vantage point crisp and then trying to go away and just ran back middle middle right there and Mookie got him you know they had some hard contact in him in that inning you know settled in to give us something there which was good but you know obviously a tough one in the first no doubt about it let's hear from Severino so what happened in that first inning I was missing a lot of pitches. Miss Pumukives, pitch inside. They're just a good team, you know. They're good hitters, and you know you had to, you know, minimize all mistakes. Any concern at all with this start? I don't think concern. You know, I just need to keep going. You know, learn from my mistake. Go to the beta tomorrow and see what was the, you know, the bit different between this one and the, and the last one, and, and learn from that. And remember, the last time when he pitched against San Diego, which was last weekend, that game in the Bronx. You know, he threw that one pitch that was just a bit outside, and everybody, you know, kind of their heart skipped a beat for a second because they thought he was hurt again. Like something was ailing him, which is to why he sailed that ball up and over the hitter to the backstop. But, look, he's healthy. There's no issues at all when you're talking about um, anything that, you know, he's laboring out there. He'll be fine. You know, like I said, you go pitch there. There have been a lot better pitchers than Luis Severino who step onto the mound against the Dodgers in that ballpark, and they have their struggles. So no time for panic. Give the ball to Cole today, and hopefully you get back on the bump. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let's go to the phones. Let's talk to the people. We'll start it off with Marvin in the Bronx. He's going to be first up here on 98.7 ESPN. Marvin, how are you? Good morning. Good morning, Marvin. What's first up, First of all, you took the words out of my mouth, right? I said, I did not stay up to witness batting practice. I thought that should be earlier in the day. And uh, <laughs> you're right. I had a good night's sleep. I said, this game is over. Usually, uh, I got to admit something. Ever since I left the Aaron Boone game, I'll stay mm-hmm. for the duration of the game. I have to live with that. You know, I'm That's, still haunted hey, by Marv, that. Marv, that ain't one you walk out on. You know, there's, there's, there's no, a no, lot no, worse no, games no, you could no, say no, I left. Not me. that I one. I have to feel it. That's not that one. I still have to feel it. You, can I explain why I left? I, I was just going to ask you. I need to know why you okay. left that game. It's okay. game seven. It was, like the, it was like the sixth inning, and Pedro was smoking the Yankees. Yeah. And, they, and they, were, they were up by five runs. I said, I will not be here. You know, I've been a Yankee fan since 1964. I will right. not be here to watch that team celebrate on my field. So I, so I live. So I, I don't live that far from the stadium. I took the bus home, and then I started watching the game. And then I realized the Yankees were coming back. Then I also realized they don't let you back in the stadium. <laughs> and well, I that's how it works, Marv. You just can't let people in off the street. That's how it works. <laughs> I had a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know. That's and like that, the guys. And none of that. I'm gonna make you laugh. That as I waited for the bus, um, um, Giambi hit his first home run. And I said, and after, I'm just going to do a little pivot here. Anybody who's ever met Jason Giambi, he's one of the best guys you could ever meet. And I wish him best for the rest of his life. What a class, what a great guy. Yeah, he, but, you know, yeah. he had, Giambi's one of those guys, he had a, a, an interesting career. And obviously, you know, with the PED stuff, you know, that kind of taints it a little bit. Well, he made his money. I, I mean, no doubt about that. But, yeah, I mean, I covered some of those teams back in the day, the Yankee teams that he was on. And he was always a good dude with the media. You know, yeah, he always give you his, guy, his time guy. and everything. He's a good, good guy, guy, yeah. Yeah, but please don't abuse me. You can abuse me for that. Look, so anyway. Marv, look, that, we've all been that there. We, practice, we've all so. had one that we'd like to have back. You know what I yeah. mean? I've had a few. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. 
Well, if you're fans since 1964, I would expect so. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man, but yeah. look, 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 um, Dan, first of all, I want to compliment you for accepting me into the family. You know, I ain't going to mention certain people, but you and I have a good relationship, and I still have a great relationship with him. But, uh, hey, man, I enjoy it. I look. I can't start my Saturdays without talking to you guys. There you, you go. You do an excellent job, and I appreciate that. Lamar, if you're part of the family, you know that. Have a great day, man. We'll talk. Appreciate you. There's Marvin yeah. in the Bronx. That, 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 that's interesting, you know? I was thinking about that. Is that I, I was never one of those guys. I'm trying to remember. I was generally never one of those guys who would leave games early. Like, no matter how bad it I mean, I have. Don't get me wrong. But as far as have I ever left a game to where, like, then just chaos ensued after I was already gone? Um, not like a huge, meaningful, you know, like, playoff game or something like that. Um, I stayed through the Monday Night Miracle with the Jets and the Dolphins in 2000, the Monday night game, where they were getting their uh, you-know-what beat in and you know, made that crazy comeback in the fourth quarter and then it's overtime. I, I stayed in my seat that entire game, so didn't miss out on that. A lot of people left that night. A lot of people left. I mean, the stadium was, like, empty, and then everybody was trying to get back in. That was the crazy part. Everybody was trying to get back into the stadium, but, you know, they'll, they'll, it's not allowed, as we all know. I, I'm trying to remember if there were any others. I don't think so off the time. I mean, sometimes you're just so frustrated that you want no part of it and you leave. I mean, I might have... I might have, you know, walked down on like a regular season baseball game or something like that to where then, you know, something happens in the, you know, eighth or ninth inning and you miss out on that. But it's not like it, w- it was anything like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I wasn't there. No, it was, you know, it's a regular season game. One of 162. It's not going to make or break you. Uh, let's say hi to Dan in New Jersey up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Dan, how are you? Good morning, Dan. How are you? Daniel, good morning. I'm doing outstanding. What's going on? Long time, no talk. <laughs> Absolutely. So I was watching the Yankee Dodger game for about, I'd say the first four innings, and then 11.30 hit, and I passed out, which is odd for a college student, but that's another topic. And, well, you uh, know, you're putting in the time, you're putting in the work, you know, the, the studies, the library, the whole yeah. nine yards. You know, you're, you're grinding. But I was so dumbfounded by some of the Yankee fans' Instagram comments as, as I was looking this morning. Mm-hmm. They're all considerably taking shots at Anthony Volpe. But what annoys me, it's the same people that were clamoring for the Yankees to start him back in March. It's just annoying because the kid's 22 years old. It's his third month of big league baseball, and he's going to struggle. He played 18 games at AAA. He struggled last year his first two months in AA. Give the kid Mm -hmm. a break. Some cakes take longer to bake than others. Look, Aaron Judge hit 184 his first 84 at bats in 2016 it just drives me crazy how all these yankee fans considerably are so impatient well because they have short-term memory and that but that's that comes with being a fan you know what i mean dan i mean that's the bottom line you want everything now you want everything the way you want it to be because you're right you know back in the spring everybody was clamoring for this guy that he should win the job he should be the guy you know don't be stupid yankees you know i don't care about the service time Let's see what this guy has. He's been talked up for so many years. Play him. Once the Yankees made the commitment that he was going to be the opening day shortstop, you had to stick it out. 
And I give them credit for not panicking and sending him back down and, you know, or, or this or that. You have to let this guy work through the lumps. They believe in him. They think he's going to be a good player. He's not going to get any better, in my opinion, by sending him down to AAA and having him hit mediocre pitching. He should learn how to make the adjustments up here in the big leagues. And if it means he struggles a little bit at the beginning, so be it. I completely agree with you. And what I remember, and I don't know if you remember this, when they called him in to Boone's office, they said to him, you have some development to make, but we'd rather you make it in the major leagues than the minor leagues. And once he develops and once he makes those adjustments, he's going to be amazing. The kid is talented. You can see it. There's some flashes that are brilliant. And the other thing, he's really been unlucky. He has the third hardest hard hit rate among all rookies. That's that's an impressive stat. Well, it's one of the, the ball hard. And you know the Yankees look into that. They're so analytically driven. You know that that's something that they probably you know have in their keister every single day when they're making out the lineup and continue to justify writing his name in it. And the defense hasn't been bad, and he's still hitting for power. The only thing is he's average. He's not getting many hits. But if he hits twenty home runs and steals twenty bases, even if he hits two twelve, it's a successful rookie season. Need him to be the superstar right away. He's 22 years old. You have guys like Judge, Stanton, Rizzo, Bader. Those are going to be the guys that carry the load. Anything you get out of Volpe is a plus. He's going to. You're going to. Two years from now, that's when he's going to really start to make his ascension. Well, I'll say this. I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought up the running game. And Dan, thanks a lot for the phone call. You know, he has contributed when it comes to stealing some bags here. He's going to get at the very least, at the very least, the next couple of months here. And then once you get to August and the trade deadline, if that's an area where the Yankees feel like, all right, maybe we need to go and bring in some reinforcements, not long-term, of course, because this kid is still going to be the future, but just maybe for the stretch run, you're remember, the Yankees are trying to win a championship. It's not just let's make the playoffs or let's finish above 500. That's not what the Yankees' goal is. Their goal is to go deep into October. And if they feel that there's going to be somebody else, whether it be you know a veteran or whatnot, that can at least stabilize and produce a little bit better at that position, that's what they're going to do. But it's not like they're giving up on this kid, nor should they. And even if they maybe, you know, pump the brakes on him a little bit, once you get later in the season, if he's still not producing, it's not like they're going to completely toss him in the trash and say, okay, you're done forever, right? There have been a lot of players who haven't fired necessarily early on in their careers, but yet still go on to have really, really great careers. And think about this with Volpe, too. Not just the hype train that's been tied to this guy for the last few years. I mean, think about how many other moves that the Yankees didn't make, which would have meant parting with him in some sort of a trade. They're going to hold on to this guy for a while and give him every opportunity to be successful. 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. We come back more of your phone calls. We'll also get into a little hoops with Game 1 of the NBA Finals already going to the home team, Denver Nuggets. Can Miami get back in it? Grasso Show, till noon, right here on 98.7 ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let's say hi to Anthony. He's in Dobbs Ferry. He's up next here on 98.7. What's up, Anthony? How we doing? You know, Dan, I, I got to ask myself here. It, it, I think the Yankees kind of put themselves between a rock and a hard place with Volpe. They kind of tied their wagon to his star. You said it in the last segment. They mm-hmm. they had a lot of opportunities to make a couple different moves, and they shied away from them in order to keep Volpe. Volpe's playing now. I mean, if we're being honest with ourselves, he's not doing good. I mean, you could mm-hmm. say he's doing bad. He's batting a buck ninety-five. He's got about. I think he's got six errors and 300 attempts, which isn't great either. He's run into a couple home runs, which is okay. But his home run, his power numbers aren't that great either. I mean, I'm just trying to wonder if you're a Yankee team that's going to be chasing a pennant in July and August. I mean, the Rays got off to an unbelievable start. So you're kind of, you know, you're the horse coming down and you're, you're trying to catch the Rays. How long can you keep a shortstop in the order who's batting sub 200? And, my real question is, if you look at the Yankees' farm system, their strength, I think, I think a lot of people are saying their strongest position in the farm is shortstop. Um, well, Peraza, I mean, Peraza move, for one. And it, and you can't like, keep Peraza's him Peraza's a guy you who's hitting the ball right now down at AAA. Okay, and so I would think that if this continues for the next little while, at some point, that's a guy that you're going to see up here again. And then what do you do with Volpe? Like I just got done saying a little while ago, the last thing you want to do, I think, for his development is send him back down. Because I don't think he's necessarily getting any better by going down in AAA and feasting on pitching, which you know that he can handle. Okay? If he couldn't handle it down in AAA, then he wouldn't have started the season up here to begin with as the everyday shortstop. So my point is is that he's going to have to figure this thing out up here, and I think this is the best place for him to do it. You know, making the adjustments, learning how to approach the same pitchers that maybe you see more than one time. You know, learning how different teams are going to try to attack you, how you make the – baseball, sports, all this stuff, it's a game of adjustments. You know what I mean? And the but good Dan, the ones – the thing that bothers me the most about what, yeah. how the Yankees handled this is that up until now, this mm-hmm. guy was a humongous – humongous trade chip for us. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think those same teams are looking at him with the same uh, uh, lust that they had for him prior to the first 40 games of this season? They yes. can't be. I mean, no, it I looks think like so. he's, I mean, Dan, there's been at-bats where he's looked completely lost. The but ninth Anthony, inning of last night's game, he struck out. It, it was like a little leaguer against a, a, a college pitcher. It looked terrible. Yeah, I mean, but how Anthony, you, think about it. It's how only you justify trading big prospects for him now or trading a bona fide major league player for him. Well, they're not going to do that. Look good. Yankees aren't going to do that. But Anthony, thanks for the phone call. And, and, and to answer your question, here, here's what it comes down to. It's 50 games. It's 50 games. Like I said, there's guys who are in the hall of fame right now who their first 50 games were not very good. And they struggled. 
And you sat there and you said to yourself, really? This guy, like, what's all the hype with this guy? He's not any good. And then they figure it out. Players develop at a different rate. Not everybody's, there's no rule book that says you have to be so-and-so or you have to be hitting so-and-so by this date of your rookie year or else you're going to be a complete bust. Now, as we discussed, you're 100% right. And it's one of the things that I've been talking about for the last couple of years. I mean, think about how many guys or trade opportunities that the Yankees said no to because whatever team it was wanted to include somebody like Anthony Volpe in it. And he thought that, okay, that would help the Yankees. Remember, they didn't want to go get Luis Castillo last year because, well, Anthony Volpe was going to have to be a part of it. And the Yankees said no to the Cincinnati Reds. And there were several others, too. And there's no guarantee that if the Yanks would have made those trades, whichever ones they were, that it would have helped them win a World Series. But they believe in this kid. And you have to look at the overall body of work, which got him to this point, which allowed him to be your top prospect, which allowed him to be a guy that was going to open up the season for you as your everyday shortstop, as a rookie. And remember, this isn't Kansas City. This isn't Kansas City. You know, you're playing under intense spotlight and intense scrutiny here in New York to where you got shows like this where people are calling up after 50 games and wondering what's wrong with this guy. Why isn't he firing? I'll give you another example. Okay, I mentioned Kansas City, and I don't know how many of you guys are actually paying attention to Kansas City Royals baseball. They're not very good, but the bottom line is this. One of the best young players in terms of talent, tools, the whole nine yards is Bobby Witt Jr. For the Royals, their shortstop. Okay, he got off to a little bit of a slow start last year as a rookie, and that's what Kansas City got it together, put together a decent rookie season. Okay, he's still not hitting for much average, but you know what? You see the ability. You see the tools. The production comes out. Guys develop at their own rate. And Bobby Witt Jr. is a guy who's only like 22, 23 years old. And that's not that much different than Anthony Volpe is for crying out loud, right? I I mean, these are kids. They're pups. Nothing is happening to this guy. They're not just going to kick him to the wayside because he's struggling a little bit here in the first 50 games of his career. Like I said earlier, once you get a little bit later into the summer, and if the Yankees think that that is a black hole in their lineup and they have to address it, that's when you pump the brakes on a little bit and say, kid, we believe in you, but we need you to maybe stand over to the side a little bit because we're trying to win a championship this year. We still believe in you. We still have a lot of hope. We still have a lot of promise in you, but we're trying to win this year. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let's say hi to Jose in Brooklyn. He's up next here on 98.7. Jose, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Mr. Graza. I definitely wanted to chime in on this Anthony Volpe talk because I, you know, had uh, Joe Leo laughing because I just said, like, this kind of reminds me of the beginning of the year of last year with the Knicks with R.J. Barrett because it's kind of the perfect comparison if you look at it because they were both, you know, rumored to be in hotly contested trades that, you know, want, that, you know, could have you know, made the rosters better. And, you know, when we decided to show some patience and keep them and try to let them develop, we're now all of a sudden getting mad because, oh, my God, a rookie is batting 195 in the first 60-something games. Like, are we serious here right now, Mr. Graza? It's a long season. 
It's baseball. Like, People like, forget about that stuff. And 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 that's what I want to say. Like you know, with these kids, because no, right now we're 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 getting into that dangerous narrative of can we act? Can New York City actually develop a young superstar because of stuff like this? I I, I when I heard the first caller, I'm like, oh, you can't really just pay attention to like ten people on Instagram commenting. But then when that caller called in, I was just like, <laughs> wow. This is really reminding me of the R.J. Barrett talk where people were going crazy over every, you know, 17-point game, you know, and then say we want more scoring. And then when he scores 25 points on 25 shots, we're complaining about the inefficiency. And I'm just like, if anyone has watched Anthony Volpe play, he's making contact. What it is is he's kind of getting a little unlucky in certain spots. And, you know, he's still a young developing player. This is not going to just, you know, he's not going to be an all-star from day one. This is a little ridiculous. And I'm going to tell Yankee fans and everybody else, we need to calm down a little. And, yes, it may be – yes, so sometimes, you know, this or the way this – since the champion, the mandate is not championship or bust anymore because that's how, how Steinbrenner has been treating the organization, we can, uh, we, we can deal with the season with, with the season with the young guys developing, developing and possibly missing the playoffs in September. It's not going to be a big deal. I know no, that, you can't I, miss I, the playoffs. You can't miss oh, the playoffs. You can't yeah, they, the play- I mean, you got to make – that, that's – no, and the can't. thing is, we can't because we're not because there's an extra wild card. Every team makes the playoffs now in baseball, Dan. So like, it's and like, they will. Like, like, what are we complaining about? We're, it's still, it's still May. What is it? We're still in early June. We're still in early June. <laughs> and, and Jose, I don't know if you remember. And for everybody out there, you know, once upon a time, and I know I'm, I'm dating myself a little bit. There was a, <laughs> a, a the Yankees brought up a guy. You know, like I said, this is going back a ways. He was a gangly outfielder. You know, had glasses, but you oh, know the I Yankees know had talking, a lot of hype about for this one of my guy, favorites. right? You know, and <laughs> yeah. this is a guy who they didn't know if he was ever going to work here. He didn't have the temperament for New York. He was kind of quiet, kind of shy, kind of reserved, and didn't exactly come on like gangbusters as a rookie. It took oh, him a while wow. to get going, really, his first couple of seasons. You know who I'm talking about, Jose? You are tugging my heartstrings right now, Mr. Williams. <laughs> That's exactly. You know, they, I mean, if you guys, I know it's like 30 years ago or whatever, but Bernie time. Williams, Jesus, when he came up, all you heard about was, you know, what this guy could be, could be. And, and Yankee fans had enough of him for the first couple of years because they were just exactly. waiting for this guy to actually show something. He was skin and bones, and it was like, and, what am I seeing here? And guess what? And I think Garza. Bernie Williams worked out okay, right? Yep. Yep. And being Puerto Rican, the big the big thing was, you know, the whole controversy with Juan Gonzalez and everything. So that's kind of yeah. So I definitely understand. Well, that, so Juan Gonzalez was spending too much time at the uh, the vitamin shop, if you know what I'm talking. Exactly. About, you know? <laughs> I have a great one, Mr. <laughs> Jose, be good, my friend. Have yourself a great weekend. It, it, it's true. I mean, you know what I'm saying? These guys develop at their own rate. Now, I'm not going to sit here and try to kid you that every single one is going to pan out because we know that that's not the truth. But Jose brought up R.J. Barrett, for example. Any young player, especially in this city, there's going to be the hype train involved. Every single one. You know, and I, I mean, probably the most glaring spotlight, even though the games aren't every day like in baseball. What happens when you bring a young quarterback into New York City? Zach Wilson dealt with it for the last couple of years. Sam Darnold before him. Think about Eli Manning once upon a time. Daniel Jones, right? People had enough of Daniel Jones really up until last year when he started to play good football and he got a coach that knew what the hell he was doing to be able to put him in positions to be successful and win. Think about the first couple of years with Eli. Especially, remember Eli's rookie season? 
in 2004 when the Giants were actually like in the conversation for maybe a, a playoff spot midway through that year with Kurt Warner as the quarterback. And they decided to do something which was extremely unpopular to a lot of people. They benched Kurt Warner while they still had a pulse because they knew that Eli was the future and he needed reps. And the Giants as a whole, the team took a step backwards. And Eli did not exactly play like a two-time Super Bowl MVP that first year. And some of those games were downright ugly. And there were a lot of things that were being said on talk radio at that time. Not all that different from some of the stuff we're hearing this morning about Volpe. You got to give it time. And this is baseball. You play 162. Football, you're only playing 16. You know, there's one a week. So you could maybe obsess and overanalyze with one game in particular. But baseball, my gosh. You almost have to take like, you know, football's one game a week. Baseball, you have to almost take like a full week's worth of games. And maybe just analyze that as one entity. 800-919-3776. That's a telephone number. More of your calls and we'll get into the NBA stuff as well. Grasses show till noon on this Saturday, 98.7 ESPN. We're talking about Bernie Sanders, right. Bernie, Bernie Williams, not Bernie, Bernie Sanders. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone. Remember, we're taking it right up until noon on this Saturday. Dreary as hell today. Can the sun come out at some point? I mean, I know it was like 1,000 degrees last couple of days, but you know, it, it was beautiful out. Today's just like dreary. You know, it's a weekend. You want to get outside. Do something. Just so you know, Dan, uh, because yes, you mentioned Drury, me and Joe Leo here backstage here are doing the show in the dark. You don't have any electricity? We do. We just, but can we get somebody on that? Can we get? Can we call Tom Edison, please, and get some light bulbs maybe for my guys so they can see what the hell they're doing? Is that too much to ask? I mean, we can see, but I mean, we're trying to match the mood outside. So, no By the here. way, by the way, so I bring up the weather. You got yourself a little soccer game tonight, do you not? That is right. Wow. Red Bulls wow. Orlando. The Red Bulls going for not one, but two in a row, if I'm not mistaken, correct? What? Who, who is it tonight? Orlando? Yes. Is that who it is? Against Orlando, yep. Fireworks tonight, by the way, so get out there, man. See some fireworks. fireworks. That's right. Win, do they do fireworks, win, lose, or draw? Yes. <laughs> you want to know how? Because I was there last year and they lost it. <laughs> <laughs> how, how about they only do fire, They only do fireworks... Um. One night a year? Or do they have multiple? Yeah, they do it events? once a year. Once a year. But it, it's, it usually does like the best attendance wise, you know? Well, do they have, do they set off fireworks like when the Red Bulls score a goal usually? Or it's no? funny. They have these um these two little 
black like tubes. Yeah. And um, it spits out like flames, like red flames yeah. when they score a goal. You can actually feel it yeah, from yeah, where you're at. Yeah. I guess I guess if, they, if they did fireworks every time the Red Bulls scored a goal, they'd probably have a lot saved up for the end of the season because they weren't using them during the games. Oh. Yeah, that's a shot. Then they could have like, you know, like a fireworks marathon for the last home game with all those unused fireworks. So are you confident in this game tonight or not? I actually am. I think they'll win tonight. Get out of here. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've won three out of their last five. They're playing much better in attack. They're getting healthy, which is the most important thing. They finally you know what you're doing right mode. now, right? You know what you're doing. Go ahead. You're giving the Orlando team bulletin board material because I have it on good authority because I went to school with a guy who works in the um, PR department for the Orlando team. And he just texted me and he said, they're on their bus right now listening to the show. And they're hearing you talk about the fact that they think that you think the Red Bulls are going to win this game tonight. And that bus is, is ready to rip the windows out and just run out of there and play soccer right now. They've won one out of the last five, I believe. And two I made up out that the entire story, seven. by the way. I totally believe you. Yeah. I believe that you made that up. Mm-hmm. You're pretty good yeah. at that stuff, by the way. Well, I tr- you got to be. You know, in this business industry, you got to be good at lying. You kidding me? I I think it serves you well in life, not just in this industry. I think the the callers are good for it, too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. So hopefully Harvey has a good time tonight at his uh, Red Bulls game there against Orlando. All right, let's get back to the phones here. Let us say hi to Danny in Long Island up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Danny, how are you? As of right now, I'm Danny from Vermont. I'm uh, I'm up here for a weekend wedding, hiking the uh, Green Mountains. Look at you! You're in you're in um you know Poland Spring Country up there. My goodness, whatever country it is, it's cold, and I'm dressed for an outdoor summer wedding. Sounds how good on paper. June third, outdoors. Yeah. How how cold about, is it up there? About forty three degrees. Are you serious? Yeah, it was ninety here yesterday. It's the high today is going to be mid fifties, which is a big drop. <laughs> So my wife's going to be wearing a winter parka, ski gloves, and very whatever. What's the the, the bride going to come down the aisle uh, riding a moose? What the hell's going these on things, with that? These things always sound good on paper when you think about it. Some outdoor wedding. Great. Sounds very romantic until reality hits. So anyway, yeah. I'll be drunk, so I'll have a smile on my face. <laughs> You're not going to feel the 43 degrees. <laughs> no, I'm not going to be feeling anything. I've already established where I'm going to be standing. But listen, uh, yeah. fresh from the uh, Rothenburg DPHO uh, outing the other day. Quite a, Quite a nice event. Beautiful day. Lots of sun. Uh, Dave uh, was miserable to me. Rick should be illegal. No man should be that good looking. The women were dying, fainting. I mean, it Let was me just it's really. It's, why was why was Dave miserable to you? Because the night before, having been mm-hmm. a K show fan since '47, I called the show okay. and I said I've been to several K functions. The only one time I've ever gone to these things. It's not my thing. Right. But I'm going to go to the game tomorrow. Can, can, can you grant me dispensation? Because there's, there's, there's a quasi-fake fight going on between the two groups. Right. So I played along with it. And they said, yeah, go. Have a great time. And I said, I'll report back if Dave doesn't do, if Dave does anything silly. So when I see Dave, he says, oh, yeah, I heard you on the radio yesterday. Uh, you hurt my feelings. And he turned around and walked away. Are you serious? I'm absolutely positive. Come on, Dave. Come on, so Dave. So then you want to I, I made several more attempts. I made several more attempts. He refused. And then when he got involved in his cornhole game, I just, at that point, after about six or seven beers, I just decided I'd just heckle him. 
So you tried to bro- you tried to broker the peace. You tried to extend the olive branch, and he wasn't having any of it. He was he's very upset that I said I was going to attend the, attend the outing and report back if he did if there was any misconduct. I mean, it was all in good fun, of course. Of course, you want to see and, the matter. And of course, you actually showed up. So I give you credit for even like you said you were going to attend. You went. You honored your commitment. I think you should get brownie points for that, Dan. Now, now let me just say this before we get on to the baseball topic. I yes. saw the company. Yeah. And the next time I go anywhere with the company as a retired police officer, I'm bringing my weapon. That was not any bunch of people I desire to spend any time with. <laughs> it was, it was, and That's... the group shirt, purple, purple shirts with like it was just a, the, 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 whoever made that fashion choice was was highly questionable. But anyway, I, I did. The I didn't see these. I did not see these sh- uh, these shirts. I got to take a look at them, though. Dan, I got to run. I got to hit a break. Enjoy the Vermont wedding. Enjoy the 43 degrees. We'll talk to you when you get back there. See, I, this has been happening over the last few days where I'm getting these calls from, like, both sides of the argument here. One group believes one thing. One group believes another thing. And I'm the guy that's stuck in the middle. And I have to be the one to, like, broker this peace treaty. I don't know how I got myself in the middle of this thing. How did it happen? How did I become that guy? Jeez. Anyway, that's one hour, folks. Two more to play with. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. More of your calls. We'll get it to the NBA Finals. Some football stuff as well. Grass show till noon right here on 98.7 ESPN. What's the bride going to come down the aisle uh, riding a moose?